Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Little children have much to teach us about human nature. Now, oftentimes children are celebrated, you know, as being, oh, they're, you know, their approach to life is the answer. Uh, and I would say to you that's not so. Jesus did talk about, though, when children believe something, what their faith is like, that that childlike faith is good and precious. Uh, that's a work of God in their lives. But by human nature, little children, see, little children have not yet learned to cover up. They haven't gained a filter yet of well, what's okay to do and what's not okay to do. And last week we talked about this a little bit, you remember? One of the early words that the kids learn, which is it? Mayan, two-syllable word, that's right, Mayan. Uh, well, there's another one that comes along not too long after, it's not a, a single word, but it's me do it, right? Do it myself. And that's very much human nature. We do not want to be dependent on other people. And that flows right into naturally for us, we aren't in a hurry to be dependent on God either. Dependent on anything that's outside of our control or that we think is outside of our control. And so today we want to talk about that idea of living the Christian life and, and doing it ourselves or not doing it ourselves and, and all that goes along with that. And the Apostle Paul was quite concerned about this in the lives of the people that he had ministered to and reached. So let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Corinthians had lots of great things about their church and they had lots of problems in their church. Uh, in the culture that they lived in, the Greek culture, what really was important if you wanted to persuade any people of anything or get them to act on anything, uh, what really mattered in the Greek culture was logic and presenting arguments and, and forms of arguments and uh, what you could consider human wisdom, okay? And then the Jewish population that was there as well, the Jewish people tended to want miracles to validate that something was from God. Okay? They wanted miraculous signs. How do we know who's really speaking for God? They wanted miracles. And, and the Apostle Paul says that neither one of those are what we need. He says what God has chosen instead is the gospel. The fact that Jesus went to the cross and was crucified. And he says to the Greek culture that was foolishness. What, how does that solve anything? And the Jewish culture is like, well, that's weakness. He was Put to death, well, how does that solve anything? And he says, well, that's what God chose. That that's where the power of God lies. And so we get to chapter two here. And, and Paul says this. He says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Let's just stop there. We're gonna see in here, that the Apostle Paul isn't saying that I don't care how I talk to you. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying that that wasn't what was important. 
right? And so I, every week, I, you know, I come up here and I talk with you and I try to talk in ways that are clear and, and ways that are, make it easier for you to listen and understand. And so you could say, I, I, I do strive for excellence in my communication, but it's not about that, right? If you go away from here, uh, just encouraged by, wow, that was really interesting, or wow, he really is a good speaker. Man, we have failed in what needs to happen here, okay? That's not what it's about, and that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. I didn't come to be an excellent speaker before you and to be this wonderful persuasive preacher, no. Verse two, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I wasn't going to let anything else get in the way of what really matters, okay? So all these other things, no, 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 those are not the focus. It's about Jesus. It's about what he did for us when he went to the cross for us. Verse three, so he, he described, he says, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And, and we're not really sure exactly what he means when he says that. It's possible that he had just come from Athens where he had not been well received. And, and, and so maybe he had some challenges there. We, we don't know for sure. But the idea is, he says, what I brought to you was not man's excellence and man's wisdom and man's strength. That isn't what I brought to you. Verse four, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but a demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God in the power of God, that your faith should be in the power of God. Your faith is not then, it's not in human wisdom, it's not in this whole miraculous things going, that isn't about that, it's faith in God and what he can do, his power. In other words, it's not, the Christian life is not me do it. Why? That my faith would not be in my own wisdom and my own thinking. That my faith would not be in my own efforts and my own strength, but that it would be in the power of God and what He can do and wants to do in our lives. And so we've been focusing uh, for the last few weeks here on this idea of that we are owned, that God owns us. He purchased us when Jesus died for us on the cross. In that moment, we receive Christ as Savior. We become his possession. His possession. That means that, that it's, our lives are about him and it's for his glory. And, and then we talked about that, that because we are owned, it's about his purposes and not ours. And the biggest overarching purpose there is that we would become Christ-like in our lives. And last week we talked about his principles, that, that we live his way. And we went through a number of principles that doesn't come natural to human beings. It's different. And one of those principles was dependent strength. Not independent strength, but dependent strength. And so Paul here says, I want your faith to be in God and in his power, the power of God. And what we're gonna see is that in him, we have strength. 
Now, I have some bad news to deliver to you today. The fact is that you are not capable of living the Christian life. You aren't. Do it myself. No, not going to work. Not going to cut it. You are incapable. You say, wow, that's an encouraging message, Walt. Sure, I'm glad I came to hear that today. What's the point? <laughs> well, the point is that you are not capable of living it, but God is certainly way capable of living the Christian life in you and through you. So understand this. The only possible way to live the Christian life is by means of God's power. Go ahead and go to that slide if you would, Barry. The only possible way to live the Christian life is by means of God's power, God's enabling, God's working in your life. I mean, Jesus kind of laid this out when he was talking to his disciples about their relationship with him and how they were going to live the Christian life. And in John 15, he says this. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. And of course, the vine does what? Supplies the life, supplies everything the branches need to bear fruit. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And then there's this statement. For without me, you can do nothing. What do you mean? I got up today, right? Put my shoes on today. I mean, there's lots of things I can do. With well, you cannot do anything that, that comes to bearing fruit that he's talking about. Nothing of eternal, positive, eternal significance are you capable of on your own. Nothing. Okay, so he's making it very clear that in our own strength, in our own wisdom, we are not able to do that. Okay, so it requires us to depend upon Christ. The saving faith is built upon the power of God, right? Romans 1.16, what's it say? That the gospel of Christ is the power of God's salvation to everyone who believes. And so it is the gospel that comes to us. Okay, so understand this, that if God left us to ourselves, and thankfully he has not, but if God left us to ourselves, we wouldn't even be interested in being saved. We wouldn't understand that we need to be saved. We wouldn't be moved to want to receive Christ as Savior. None of that. We would just keep doing our own thing. Do it myself. Me do it. But when the gospel message comes, and the gospel message is this, that every one of us has sinned against a holy God, and our sins will require the judgment of God, and the Bible tells us that if we die in this condition, that judgment will be an eternity in hell. But God loves us so much that he sent his son into the world, who we know as the man Jesus, who lived a perfect and sinless life. And he went to the cross voluntarily. And as he dies on the cross and hangs there, God the Father puts the penalty for, for all of my sins on Jesus and all of your sins. And all the sins of the whole world. And Jesus dies there paying the penalty for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He died. He rose again from the dead. And the message to you and I, the gospel message, is that if we will acknowledge and humble ourselves before God and say, yes, I have sinned. I need a Savior. I'm lost apart from you. My own ways have not... <laughs> 
been able to fix the problem. They never will. I'm turning to you, God. I'm believing that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. And, and I'm, I want to receive him by faith. Best I know how. Put my trust in him as Savior. And the moment we do that, man, the power of God goes to work in our lives. Every sin forgiven. Every sin for the whole life. Paid for in full. Forgiven. Uh, eternal life. When this life is over, we don't go to hell. We go to heaven to be with the Lord. And he, right now, that moment for me, April 4th, 1975, close to 10 o'clock at night, God himself moved into me. And he moves into everyone who come to him by faith and receive him as Savior. And see, the gospel, when you hear that message, if, if you don't know the Lord, if you haven't a received Christ as Savior, I'm talking about that, that's, it, it challenges you, it stirs you, it pushes against you. There's power in the gospel. And it, it pushes you to see the truth where you wouldn't on your own. You'd do your own thing and all of a sudden it, it stirs you up. And so you have, then you have to say, okay, am I going to surrender to God or not? You've got to make that decision. But the gospel brings the power. So understand, the power of God is required for us to be saved. And glorifying God, which we said that was, you know, because we're his possessions, that we're supposed to do. Wherefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. Uh, it is crucial. Let's go back one, if you would, there for just a minute. Barry, thank you. Um, it is so crucial for us to be able to glorify God. Requires the power of God. Me do it won't cut it. I'm not capable of living the Christian life apart from the power of God. And so I'm supposed to glorify God. And remember what we said about glorify God means? Glorify God means to allow him to be seen in our lives, to live in such a way that he can be seen by others and experienced by others. And they may or may not recognize exactly what it is, but they can tell there's something different about you. And what's different is God himself lives within you and there's a power of God there. Now, Anybody notice that that doesn't always come easy? Anybody besides me? Well, God has set us up, to be honest, to succeed at this. Because the very fact that it doesn't come easy for me, the very fact that from time to time I fail in it, the very fact that it challenges me to, to try to, to, to live this way and the way I'm supposed to so that God can be seen, so that God can be glorified. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the apostle Paul said this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And earthen vessels, he's talking about in this human body and, and my experience and my, my struggles and my weaknesses, my inabilities and my failures, all this kind of stuff. That this treasure, God himself, within us, shines brightly in this dark place. In, um, in this past century, uh, there was an archaeological discovery made in Milan, Italy, under an ancient theater. And what they found was a clay pot with 300 pieces of gold in it. A clay pot, an earthen vessel. Now, when you look at the pictures here, are you amazed and say, wow, what a pot. Is that what gets your attention? And you might say, oh, that pot, that's kind of ugly, but look what's inside of it. This is what God is talking about. 
This is how he wants to be seen in our lives. We are clay pots. We do have brokenness and we have scars and, and difficulties and, and weaknesses and all that kind of stuff. But God works in us and, and he shows up and he changes us and, and he enables us. His power is at work in our lives. And then because of that, he is able to be seen. So, so God has actually set us up to succeed in this area. Let's take our Bibles now and go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So God being seen in us because the power of God at work in our lives. In um, Paul's letter to Thessalonians, he, he talks about when he came to meet them and he shared the gospel with them. Um, how miraculous the change was in their lives and how well they were doing. And um, so well, let's, let's just actually let's start in, on uh, verse number two. And it's on page 1,356 in the Bible under the chairs there. He says, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, you, your election by God. Was, in Christ you have been chosen for him. Let's look at verse six. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. So people have heard about you. They know about you. And uh, just take one moment. So you know, uh, Barry, I don't know if there's anything we can do, but this monitor disappeared, okay? So I'm, I'm fine either way. Just wanted you to be aware. Okay, so the Apostle Paul is talking about these amazing things that happen in their lives. Well, how did that come to happen? We would certainly say the power of God working in their lives. We get that, right? But I want to show you what Paul says about how God worked and what God and his power did to bring about this in their lives. Verse number five. He says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. All right, so the Apostle Paul is saying that when we came, we had to live a certain way. We had to be the right kind of people to reach you. There were, in these circumstances, there were ways we needed to live uh, and, and needed to respond, and there was much pressure and persecution. All of these things going on. And um, he said, we had to be these special kind of men. Well, how was he able to do that? How was he able to do that? Well, what's it say here? Verse five, for our gospel did not come to order, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, and then he links that up with the kind of people that they were. How were we able to be the kind of people we needed to be? The power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. That's how we were able to do that. 
And so understand this, that God's power working in us is the only way we can become the kind of people that God wants us to be. It's the only way. You know, when we have an idea of what kind of people God wants us to be, if we read our Bible and we're around preaching and we fellowship with other Christians, we, we get a sense of what kind of people we need to be. And I'm not talking about an outward show. I'm talking about a real thing. How can we do that? The only way is by God's power. Me do it isn't going to cut it. It just isn't. So, the opposite would be to do your own thing, wouldn't it? I'm going to live the Christian life the way I think it's supposed to be lived. I'm going to do it with my own wisdom and my own strength. I'm going to live it that way. Um, got news for you, and I've already said it, but you don't have what it takes to become the kind of person that you're supposed to be, that God wants to be. You don't. You don't have, you don't have what it takes on your own. Now, once again, you might say, well, thanks a lot, Walt. <laughs> but don't, that's not, not, don't be offended by that, because think about this. Even in this world, in this human, I have this body, and I function in this world. Do you understand that I do not have in myself what it takes to live in this world? Forget being a Christian. Let's just talk about physical things. I do not have what it takes. I need food, nutrition. I need water, hydration, Right? I need oxygen for respiration. There are things that I, 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 in myself, I don't have it. I need other things to have the ability to do the things I need to do. And so it is spiritually. On the inside, and what needs to happen for me to change, for my heart to change, for my thinking to change, for me then to be consistent in living out those changes and understanding how to live out those changes in the different circumstances. Like all those kinds of things requires the power of God at work in my life and in your life. And our tendency, though, sometimes is to do it on our own, do our own thing. So what, what's the ad, you know? I could have. Out of the eight. I'm trying to live the Christian life on my own. Well, what am I doing? I could have let the power of God do this work in me. So God's power working in us is the only way we can become the kind of people God wants us to be. So the question is, how do we get God's power into our lives then, right? How do we experience it in our lives and working through our lives? How, how do we get God's power? Well, right away we want to start with this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That sounds kind of strange in some ways, doesn't it? And you almost expect to, to hear, to be flipping through the channels on the TV and run across that, that preacher, you know, say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ah. Paul says a very matter-of-factly, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the context, he goes on and talks about being filled with the Word of God and, and, and those things in our life. And so how do we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it is a command. Biblically, the, the word's there. It's an imperative. It's a command. And it's also, though, in the, either the middle voice or the passive voice in the Greek. And so let me explain what I'm talking about. Um, uh, the active voice is where the person is doing something. The middle voice is where the person does something with respect to themselves. 
The passive voice is when you let something happen to you, okay? And this word there is either the middle or the passive. So either way, it means this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is something that you decide, okay, I'm going to let happen. I'm going to obey God. Okay, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. I open myself up to that. And it really comes down to this. It does come down to the top part there. That's where this starts. If you have a jar with a lid on it, and you want it filled up with water, what do you have to do? Take the lid off, right? So it can be filled. So it is in our lives. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not some weird experience. It's not something special. It's just about saying, okay, God, I'm taking the lid off. I want you to fill me. And, and he will come in and work in our lives. And like there's lots more we could talk about, but what I want you to see is it starts with this saying, okay to God, I, this is what I want. I want you to be at work in my life. And so why are we saying filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, because the power of God is always associated with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Romans chapter 15, the apostle Paul says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the what? Say it with me. The power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. So when we say, we want to be filled with the Spirit. God, I, I surrender my, I open up to you to do your work in me. We're talking about the Holy Spirit coming in and the power of the Holy Spirit being at work in our lives. And how often can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? As often as you're willing to open up and be available, okay? As long as you keep the lid off, keep surrendering. All right. So um, we want to... Uh, you know, uh, be filled with the Spirit. So how do we get God's power? Experience in our lives to be filled with the Spirit. And, and that's, those sounds are not sounds of the Holy Spirit. All right, the second way that we want to do this is to put on the whole armor of God. Very much a connection to the Spirit of God there. Let's go in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter Six. Page 1347 in the Bible under the chairs there. And let's look, we'll start in verse number 10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong. Now let me stop right there because it's, it's interesting because on my Bible, that's the end of the line. The line ends there. Now the sentence goes on, but the line ends there. Finally, my brethren, be strong. And I would say to you that as Christians, as human beings, let's make it that way, as human beings, that's what we think we need to do. I, I need to be strong. I need to be strong in the face of temptation. I need to be strong in the face of overwhelming grief. I need to be strong when I'm fearful. I need to be strong and we, we, we you know, muster up our strength. And I just tell you again, this is where the counterintuitive nature of the Christian life goes. It's not about me being strong or you being strong. Let me give you a, an idea here. Let's look at this. this. This kid on this picture has a little pedal go-kart. And he has to be strong to go very far with that, doesn't he? Has to work them little legs. Especially if he's going to go uphill. Right? That's my strength. That's your strength. Ah, 
But when we let it be God's strength and his power, now we're talking about an IndyCar. The speed, the power that's there, you know what I mean? The performance, the handling, everything. And so the verse doesn't end, therefore be strong. Okay, so let's look at, let's read through it here and work our way through this passage. Put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Here we go. Finally, my brethren, be strong, what? In the Lord and in the power of his might. It's his power. It's his strength in us. Don't be strong in your own strength. Be strong in God's strength. Um, let me say to you, so here we are. And I, I, so I come to you and I, I try to speak to you every Sunday. I try to speak clearly to you. I try to speak in ways that are interesting and help you pay attention, right? Uh, ways that are clear and you can understand. And God has given me a strength in this area, but naturally in the sense. When I was born, for whatever reason, I was wired to try to understand things wired to try to understand relationships between ideas, wired to figure out, well, if this is true, then this is true. All of the analysis and stuff that, that goes into understanding anything, including the Bible. Now, that's a natural strength for me. But do you understand, this is what I kind of said early on, if that is what I bring to you, my natural strength, It's not the power of God. It's not his might. It's what I am. And, and, and go back to that slide, last slide, if you would. That's, that's me on the pedal cart. Go ahead, go forward. That's me on the pedal cart. But when I surrender, when I take the lid off, say, Lord, you come work, then he can take my strength and just blow it up and use it in amazing ways when he is the one at work. All right, so let's, let's continue here. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Why? Because we are being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay, now, here's some things that we can do to cooperate with God's power at work in our lives. Because that's what he's talking about. Let God be strong in your lives. Well, how do I do that? Verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and we're going to come back and talk about this, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And Paul says, and for me, pray for me too. Okay. So he gives us this list of things here. He says, put on the armor. Here's things that you can do that are going to help you. It's defensive and there's also some offensive aspects to this. 
First he says, you're, you're, the middle part here, uh, it's like a belt that everything else in the armor attaches to. And he says, that's truth. And so here's the deal, build your life around truth. Everything needs to connect with truth. We had a sermon a few weeks back. I encourage you, if you don't remember, go back and find it. We talked about truth. Uh, it is essential. Because if you build your truth and connect your, your life to things that aren't true, guess what happens someday? Doesn't work. All falls apart. Okay? So build your life around the truth. And then he says the breastplate of righteousness. And what does the breastplate do? This metal plate, it covers up the heart and all the internal organs, okay? But specifically, let's think about the heart. He says the breastplate of righteousness. You want to, God's power at work in your life, love righteousness. Love righteousness. Love what's right. You know, the reality is that when there's things in our lives that we let into our lives uh, that that we know aren't right and we let them stay there and maybe we, we kind of keep them in the back room and once in a while we bring it out or once in a while we go into the back room or, or whatever that is and, and we can start to love that. And we have to begin to make some conscious choices and know, you know what, I'm not going to love that anymore. I got feelings that are drawing me there but I'm making a decision, I'm gonna love what's right. I'm going to love what's pure. I'm going to love what's holy. Because what you love is what you're going to focus on and what you are begin to actually. You know, I think, I think we start to become like what we love. And I just realized, it just hit me. That's why for so many years, off and on, I've looked like a big donut. Okay, so um, love righteousness. And it's like this, that the power of God it's, it's sort of like water running through a hose in our lives, okay? The power of God. Now, if that sin is stuff that will clog the hose, right? Put restrictions in the hose so that the power cannot, the water cannot flow freely. And so that's what sin is in our lives. The power of God doesn't flow freely when we're hanging on to sin and it's clogging up the hose. Okay? Now, I think even more interesting here is this. You know, we've all done it. Haven't you put your thumb over the end of the hose? So water's running out, and then you put your thumb over the end of the hose, and what happens? Water comes out what? Harder. That, there's more power. And so think about this. This is like in our life. So we, we, we apply pressure onto the hose, and the power increases. And so that's God's intent in our lives, is that when the pressures of life come, that his power comes up more powerfully, right? Comes up stronger. So pressure is not a bad thing in our lives. It actually enables greater power of God to be at work. But what happens if sin in our lives have clogged the hose to the point where there's only a trickle of water coming out? Now, will the pressure make that water more powerful? Yeah, but in the mic, for you guys who are listening, <laughs> right? So we gotta love righteousness, which means we always need to be at work addressing sin. Always need to be acknowledging it, admitting it, confessing it, doing our best to see what's going on. And if we find ourselves stuck and entwined and don't know how to get out, we gotta get help. We go to somebody who can help us, all right? So we want to love righteousness. 
Okay, third thing, live by the gospel. He says your feet shod with the, the gospel of peace. Um, and I think the idea is, is that we stand firm in the gospel, the idea of our relationship with Christ. The gospel is that the moment I received Christ, I was placed in union with Jesus, never to be ever separated again. You know what? I'm confident about my relationship with God. Why? Because of the gospel and what it means. And because of that, I have peace with God. God is not angry with me. He's not looking to slap me around. I have, I'm at peace with him because Jesus paid the price. I'm at peace with him. Not only that, then I have the peace of God at work in my life, which brings us to the next thing. He says the shield of faith, that you can withstand all the fiery the arrows that are, are shot at you. And so we, we learn to face troubles in life with faith in God. But we trust what he says in his word. He's going to work. He's not going to let anything happen to me that he cannot use for good. He may allow bad things to happen, but if he does, that means he can use it for good in our lives to make us more like Jesus, to enable us to have a ministry to people, however that works. But we have faith in God. And when we have faith in God, we act, we do what God says. We look at life the way God says. We make decisions the way life says. We do the things that God says. We don't do the things God says not to. All that kind of stuff. And that allows the power of God to work in our lives. So tell me what happened to me many, many years ago when all of a sudden I, I got it from the scriptures. I looked at what the scripture said, the commands, the principles, the examples, and I reached a conclusion that the scripture was telling me that I needed to give the first part of my income to God. And I looked at, I, I think the percentage, as I can tell, it was at least 10%. And Glenda and I had to make decisions and we had no money, I mean, relatively speaking. And we had to make a decision. Are we going to do what God says? Because if, if, if we do, I'm scared. We won't have enough money. How will we pay our bills? What, how will we be able to do the things we, you know, important to us? By faith, take the step. And, and the power of God has always met our needs. Always. And more. I'm not saying give and get rich. You know me. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is we can take steps in life. For that person who says, wow, I really feel like God is calling me in missions to, to go somewhere else in the world and take the gospel there. Take the step of faith. And what? You trust God and the power of God goes to work. I mean, it's just so exciting. All right. Then he says, take the helmet of salvation. You're putting it over your head. So we think our mind, our brains. And so we want to learn to think like a saved person. Think like a saved person. How does a saved person think? Well, Paul says in his, his first letter to Timothy, he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when I think like a saved person, I'm not run by fear. I have a sound mind based on the truths of what God has said and what he's done in my life. And then he says, take the sword of the spirit. And this is a, a both defensive weapon and an offensive weapon. So use the word as a weapon. Use the word as a weapon. And the power of God will fulfill. What we're talking about is this. You go to the word of God, and if you start spending time in this every day, what you're going to learn is, oh, wow, I didn't really understand that about how I was supposed to live. Boy, that, that really fits this situation in my life. And then I say, okay, and I go out into life and I engage that situation based on the word of God. 
And God works when you base your life on his word, okay? And then finally, Paul says, pray, always praying, always making your requests to God. And so when we're talking about needing the power of God at work in our lives, we're talking about learn to express your dependence on God through prayer. Express your dependence. God, I do need you. I'm not capable today, God, of going out on my own and doing this. And I don't want to. I need you to work in my life. I need your power in these areas where I really see it. And God, I need your power in those areas I don't realize. I need your power. So we express it to him. So take the armor of God. And so you see this. This is, he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And we, these are things we can do to cooperate with him because we need to. Because the only possible way to live the Christian life is by means of God's power. There is no other way. Now, what does this look like in our lives? How does this function? Because sometimes we think power of God, you know, lightning and thunder and huge miracles. But the power of God is much more practical than that. God can do that, and if he chooses to, he will. Most of the time, that isn't how the power of God works in our lives. Let me give you an illustration of how the power of God works in our lives. Think about a bicycle and riding up hills, okay? What I want you to imagine with me is an electric bicycle that you pedal, but there are motors attached to the wheels, uh, powerful electric motors. Uh, and there are sensors on the bicycle. And so when you are coasting down a hill, the motor's barely engaged, it's just engaged, because it doesn't really, you don't need a lot of power at that moment. Then you hit the flat, and then you begin to pedal. Maybe there's a headwind and the, the, the sensors say more power and so there's more power, and, but you just keep pedaling. And then you come to the hill. Wow, and so the sensors say more power needed and so the power engages and, and as the hill gets steeper, more and more power engages and you are able to pedal up the hill. Now, this is the way our lives are. As we go through life, there's times and places, I mean, I don't need a lot of power to eat breakfast, right? Now, I may need a lot of power making the decision about eating the right thing at breakfast, but I don't, you know, so the point is, but there are places and times in my life when I need the power of God. I know it so desperately. I need the power of God to, to do what I'm supposed to do here, to understand what I'm supposed to understand so I can respond the way I'm supposed I need the power of God. And but I'm trying to tell you, it's just like on that, that bicycle we're imagining, it's there. It's already there. It's engaged. And that's why I'm able to respond and do the things that I'm supposed to do in those situations. Now, for this to work, you gotta be on the bike. You have to have a relationship with God because you received Jesus as Savior. You aren't even on the bike, okay? Starts there. Second thing, you gotta be pedaling. It's part of the deal. You gotta be pedaling. That means you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're putting on the armor of God, right? You're, you're trying to live, you're pedaling, okay? Uh, and then, I see, I have one more thing here on that. Oh, yes. <laughs> Different than this electrical bicycle that you're on, in life we can choose to do all the pedaling ourselves. We can do our own thing, live our own version of Christianity. 
well, this or that, make some compromises and changes. Do your own thing and then you put your strength into it and you climb that hill and you make it to the top. <gasps> and your muscles are getting you all your strengthening and all those things in your life. And then God says to you, nice job, that was amazing. Wrong hill. Hmm. How sad it would be to find you get to the end of your life that you had repeatedly in your own strength pedaled up the wrong hills. And so we must surrender to him. We must grow in him. And then as, as the power of God works in our lives, he can be glorified outward through us into the world and others see and know. So the only possible way to live the Christian life is by means of God's power. Believe it and go live it. Father, we come to you and thank you for this power, this power that enables us to even understand your word today, the power that enables us to see our need of a Savior and to, by faith, receive Jesus as Savior, the power that enables us to, to respond in life the way that you want us to and do the things that you've made us to do, all those kinds of things. Lord, help us to... Just get it that apart from you, we can do nothing of positive eternal significance. And ultimately, those are the only things that matter. Remind us of that, Father. So thank you that you work powerfully in our lives when we don't know it. Thank you that you work powerfully around us. Lord, I pray, please, every one of us here and everyone watching, everyone listening, that we would get it and say, okay, God, not my own strength, but yours. Not my power, but yours. And be glorified in us because of it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Go live in the power of God.